0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. (laughs) Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice.
1: There's nothing
2: cute about this show. We're going to get after it. Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice-Hayes, CB at the switches, a.k.a. Colin Behringer, affectionately known as CB on this show. Um, will he be evil? Will he be nice? Will he be something in between? We'll find out. We're not labeling anything on this show. Boys, how are we feeling? Oh
3: man, AR, this is refreshing. I'm feeling good. It's nice to hear that open for the first time. We are off and running as we've always said. We're going to continue that. And no, man, I've been jacked up all weekend, fired up since the announcement was thrown out there midweek last week. But no, we've been prepping for this. We got some fun stuff coming and, uh, yeah, the moment's
2: here, man. Let's roll. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for you and I'm excited to work with you. I think this is, we've had a chemistry and a bond since you started here yep. and it, it just made sense. Uh, that we'll take the baton that we had with Carpenter and Rothman and run with it. I got that out of the way because I knew the over-under <laughs> on me saying that would be probably about, in a two-hour show, it'd probably be about one and a half. Yeah. So let me just get it out of the way right now and say it. <laughs> that way when I screw up and say it at some point, uh, maybe it won't count against my official stats, but here we go. So we all have a voice on this show. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, same great guests. We'll, uh, Really get after, because I think that we'll have some segments on the show that we'll develop and rebrand and yeah. do some things. Listening to the dudes on the morning juice this morning. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I didn't get up at 6 in the morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to be at my best at high noon. <laughs> Carb knows I sleep in, so I did catch them for longer than I thought I would. Me too. Um, Probably because they're doing a new roof on the old condo, and so the dudes were up there about 7 this morning oh, ripping shingles off and driving the dogs and everybody crazy. But, no, I heard him. It was great. It was, first of all, carp tweeting or texting at like 1130 at night. No shock there. I don't know what his wake-up call is. I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, Beamer certainly was tucked into bed probably about, I'm going to say, pre-9 p.m., probably dreaming of golf shots at Bandon Dunes. Um, he was, he was probably sawn wood about 8.50. Schlags, I could see like a little boy setting out his new kicks to go to school. Yeah. Like first day at school. Instead of kicks, it's a caravan of caffeine. It's probably like <laughs> lined up drinks getting ready. So they have every box checked. So it's very cool. And, uh, thanks, Bishop and Laurenitis, for the, uh, wonderful handoff of the baton. Yeah. As we take you now local from 6 a.m. till 8 p.m. Oh, here on indeed. the fan. It's, it doesn't even make sense on how cool that is for all of us. We are definitely a baton-passing crew here because that's what we do. We want to keep you locked in on the fan from, uh, as I say, from tip to finish. Just yep. the tip now. It's 6 a.m., and so it'll be cool. I'm jacked up for the Jackets today. I think everybody is. We'll get into what Justin Fields is doing, the leadership that he is showing. Will it make a difference? Who knows? But when you look back on things, will he be thrilled that he did this? Absolutely. So we'll get into that. But... You know, I had somebody, uh, the Z-Train, as I like to call him, who strolls in through here at Little Turtle, yeah. our membership uh, extraordinaire guy, and he jack of all trades. And, and he, he looks at me and he goes, is it a must win? And I said, I am going to stick with the blinders on. You know when I'll worry about being down 3-1? When we're down 3-1. Yeah. And that's really, I think, what this team is about. I, it, the five-on-three still haunts me, and I'm sure it haunts Bemer, you know, if that's a half inch the other way off a glancing post, we go up. And I tweeted this on Saturday night, and I truly believe it. Tampa came into this series trying to send a physical message that they were not going to get pushed around by the blue collar Blue Jackets, and what they don't know how to do that. You know, the only way they know how to do it is with cheap shots and bully ball, and that's yeah. what they've done. And it's okay if it's okay when you get away with it. And what upset me the most about Saturday night is when a team is playing undisciplined to start, which is what Tampa did in Game 3, that's the kind of team that has to see it backfire for it to affect them the eight inches between their ears. Instead, they got juice from it. They killed off the five-on-three, killed off the early power plays. And it seemed to me like that was the time we had to seize the moment when they were playing the most reckless yeah. of the series, and we didn't make them pay for it. The other thing I was intrigued about was the fact that we got that quick strike in the early third period and made it a one-goal game. And then the other thing about it is that they there is nothing new about this series to me. It's contrasting styles coming in. We knew it was going to be contrasting Matty, and it's, it's playing out that way. When we give them space, they're a very dangerous team. They go tape to tape to tape to twine, and that's what they did to us on Saturday night. With all that being said, we it was essentially a one-goal game when we hit the wall. The idea now is to break through the wall, and I'm confident the Jackets do have that in them. And all they're thinking about today is tying up a series and winning a hockey game.
3: That's it, and they've got the you know head coach that I believe, and I think you believe this as well. That's going to have them in the right mindset. And just reading some of the stuff and listening to some of what those guys were talking about yesterday, they kind of wanted to flush it, you know, move on. That's all you can do in a series like this. And they've shown us, man, that they have the ability to bounce back, and that's big. And you know, rapper from Detroit, Big Sean, he dropped a big hit. Or said last night took an L, but tonight I bounced back, and that's what we got to do. Saturday we took an L, but tonight we got to bounce back. And I think fatigue was a real thing. And I think that's understandable when you look at the grind that this hockey club had to go through just to get to the next round. Of course, they were a little bit fatigued. But some of those missed opportunities, they are for a team that we know can, you know, struggle on the offensive end of the ice. You got to capitalize. You talk about that Benstrom shot there that should have been right there with that open net, that nice feed coming from Seth. Mm -hmm. Like, we got to have those, man. Like, those are the opportunities that we have to cash in on because you talked about the style of play that are just the contrast between these two squads right now and yeah, when we go out there with our defensive effort that we bring to the table and what we've seen from Corpy, when we have those moments where we see that daylight man, we really got to strike in on gold and unfortunately we didn't do that I know it's easier said than done but just going back to that game, AR, that's one of those huge moments that not only jumped out to me but a lot of people that watch that game that man, if we could have had that one maybe that just changes the mentality of the team, maybe that gives them a little bit more juice mentally to say, okay, we're close right here. Let's continue to grind this thing out and see what happens. But It didn't happen, A.R., and I'm encouraged about what I've seen from this team throughout the playoffs after suffering a loss. We haven't suffered a loss, back-to-back losses yet throughout the postseason. I know Torch yesterday gave them a rest from practice. I think that's smart Mm -hmm. to go out there and trust your players, know that they'll be mentally sharp, give their bodies a rest, and let's see what they could do here in a couple hours, man. I expect a nice effort today from the Jackets, A.R., because that's what they've shown us that they're capable capable of after a loss.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're humans, right? I mean, right. these guys aren't robots. And I, th- I think we all were kind of caught up in that nothing can touch this team. Five overtime, loss, can't touch him. Coming off a series where you choke away a game four and come back for game five, boom. We've seen the evidence of the bounce back. So we've yep. seen it twice. And we've seen it twice in pretty big moments. Because when you talk about mental and physical fatigue being combined, nothing combined it more than game four against Toronto and then the game... That they played against Tampa that went five OTs in in was that game one. I'm, yep. I'm mm-hmm. now I'm losing my mind. Ryan, yeah, so we've seen it now at in the ultimate moment. So yeah, they're not a team that can pass up great scoring chances and golden mm-hmm. scoring chance right. like that can't happen. We're not the team that wins six five. So yeah. when you get a five on three and Vasilevsky's out of his crease and you're trying to one time it, it's got to go and. Right. I'm not here to tell you that – could that have happened? Eight out of ten, I'm sure that's in the net. The 20% of the time that goes clang, it happened to Bemmer. If it's Cam, if it's somebody else, I don't know. But he may have to make a change there and try to light a fire under this team. I was very not surprised – well, I was somewhat surprised, I guess, when Torts gave a little bit to it. Like he gave it credibility about the fatigue. It doesn't mean they're waving the white flag. It just he gave it kind of a feel, an honest feel that, okay, I may finally have to put this out into the atmosphere that I understand what my team has gone through over the last couple of series. It doesn't mean give up. In fact, it may be, and I know he's not a game player, but I'm wondering if there's a little sense to let me give it some public credence, Mm -hmm. let me let Tampa think that now we're a beaten team, and give us a little mental edge going into game four. There may be something there. I know he's not really into gamesmanship. He's usually less words than more. But when Torts actually gave it some credibility that I finally have to admit that my team hit a wall, that's interesting. I think they can break through the wall. They're too tough of a team mentally. They've gone through too much to just kind of slink out of this series. Nothing has changed for me. Tampa's still very dangerous. They've always been dangerous. I know we probably could have rocked them a little more mentally than we did in yeah. Game 3 if we take advantage of that early because I really thought we were controlling that. And even after you blow the 5 and 3 like I was hoping, like, okay, don't let that mentally crush you. Right. And so the game kind of went on, and Corpy let up what I thought was a – I wouldn't call it a soft goal. He's facing an odd man rush there. He's got to give a little bit to one side, a little bit to the other. That's a 5-hole there. and But what bothers me most – is that Maroon is being stupid, other guys on that team are being stupid, and we didn't make them pay for it.
3: Yeah, no, I hear you. And look, Corpy—he he, he talk about that goal that he let in. The dude's been lights out. Ar, he's been lights out. You're talking about he's shutting down 95% of the shots coming his way throughout the postseason. He's been incredible, and it just goes to these offensive opportunities that we need. And you just talk about the the long time that we went in the first part of that third period without putting shots on goal. And you just talk about the latter portion of these periods to where we're not offensively putting pressure on those other teams, and there's just been a lot of that going on. And I know it's it's been the elephant. In the room for us all season long. So I don't know how that's going to change. You don't have Cam for the second straight game. That's a guy you know you can get some offensive punch from. But I know AR, when we look at these power play situations, it's been ugly, man. It's been ugly when you look at the, you know, us not being able to capitalize on those moments. We only got two power play goals and we've got north of 20 power play opportunities so far throughout the postseason. So if we could find a way to carve out a couple of those windows there that we can cash in when we are offensively right there, that can take pressure off the defense and can take pressure off Corpy because you don't want to continue to throw Corpy out there and ask him time and time again to stand on his head. He's shown that he can do that, but I think if we can get a little bit more balance and cash in on those moments, it'd be great because you talk about, you know, Riley Nash cashing in, Robinson cashing in. Those are got unexpected guys, right? You talk about Riley Nash, the dude only had five goals the whole season coming into yeah. the situation and he cashes in in the playoffs. So all those guys, if we can piece that together and create this nice formula that I think can really rub teams the wrong way when they play us. That's what I'll be looking for today is what type of offense offensive punch do we have early because if we get that because we were kind of dominating shots on goal early on in that game Mm. it obviously went the other way but if they can continue to do that ar and put some pressure on the way we put pressure on teams man i like where we're at because like i said man the mentality i'm not worried about the mental aspect of this team they've shown they're going to be locked in it's time to roll but physically i think the start of this game the crispness of us on the offensive end of the ice is going to be so important to me today because we've had our opportunities man we just got to cash in those checks
2: all right, you said it. That's the the shots on goal. I listen. If we if we lose the series, I can live with it. But don't lose the series with leaving everything in the bag. Like right. you get outshot thirty-seven to seven. I, yeah. I, I can't deal with the high danger chances we talked about. I didn't get too inside hockey here. You're now down two-one in a seven-game series. Pucks have to go to the net. Like it's a like we do not have a team like they do. That sets up and draws these masterpieces. That's right. not who we are. We're we're the ugly, the the kind of the. <clears throat> I would say we're kind of like uh, like this Rorschach test, where you hold up a sign, it could be a different meaning to anyone. Like right, we're not yeah. like we have to be mm-hmm. some kind of a team that funnels pucks to the net and gets deflections. But we have to make it tougher on them. That's too easy of a night. And watching them just kind of dance around with space, there's too much skill. So we'll get a a kind of an expert vibe on it from Brian Lawton of the NHL Network. That'll be at 12.33. We'll do our bulletin today at 12.48. Talk some Buckeye football, of course, with Bill Landis, 133 from The Athletic. But when we come back, it's time to talk about what Justin Fields has spearheaded. This campaign, can it actually lift the Big Ten from the dead back to alive and well? I don't know. But I gotta tell you, it's gaining steam, and we'll illustrate that for you next. Rothman and
0: Ice on the fan. Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for every meal? Check. Yeah, no, you hungry. This is Rothman and Ice. Alright, welcome back in. Rothman and I presented by your
2: local Pella Window and Door Showroom on Gemini Parkway. You know, AR, I, I yeah. did,
3: I house some broccoli about 10 minutes before the show, so that is still very accurate. The amount of broccoli your boy consumes mm. is just, it's ridiculous. Absolutely wow. ridiculous. Where are you getting, is that, is that a, cause you're working remote, right? So. Yeah. You know, man, it's like I go to Kroger, you go to the nice little frozen vegetable section, Mm -hmm. and I just get like the steamed broccoli, man. You throw it in there for about three minutes, stink up your house for about 30 minutes, Mm. and you're good to go. So, yeah, it's a fun time. Man,
2: the healthiest dude around. And now the carpenter's gone, you know, to the mornings, morning (laughs) juice, 6 to 9. You are going to have to carry the lean, mean, fighting machine part of the show because uh, all I did is eat some cinnamon swirl cake last night and whatever else was going on about 11 o'clock. Uh, cause I needed it. I, I just needed it, you know? Need oh, I get sh- it, man. Look, that Cinnamon
3: Swirl Craig is d- dangerous. Mm. You get the little crumb on the top, the little mm. crust on the top of that thing. Maybe put in the microwave about five to seven seconds. If you really want to get frisky AR, you throw
2: a little scoop of vanilla ice cream on the side of that thing. <sighs> that'll put you down. That'll put you, you know, down. I'm all about the Alamo frisky <laughs> business. Um, so <laughs> this is a pretty big story with Justin Fields. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I think the operative word here, is think everyone is thinking everyone thinks this is the right way everybody thinks this is the wrong thinks we can do that nobody knows right right. so we have to at least go on the premise that do i know for sure that the big 10 flushing two billion dollars down the drain is a bad move it seems bad financially all we did was crush them for wanting to make money right and now that they've pulled the plug on the season it's it's crazy, and you know, we've all talked about, could they have waited? Sure. Did they want these guys in full contact practice? No. That's why they did it when they did it. They, they yanked the plug on this deal because they knew the guys were going to start knocking heads. And so whatever they threw out about light practice or whatever, like I don't even know if they, they didn't even know what they were doing. I just know what they, they knew what they didn't want. Mm-hmm. They didn't want guys sweating all over each other, spitting, right. and, and, mm-hmm. and having that happen. But they didn't, want, they didn't know how to do it. We're at a point now where I thought, most of us thought, they could delay. They could delay all the way probably till early October if they wanted and play a a six- to eight-week season and have something to show for it and buy time. I was always into the buying time. I know everyone's timeline changed. They moved it up, moved it back. Should we try to jam in a couple games early and then have some flexibility? And I understood that, too. Biggest problem in all of this, and it's not that Justin Fields racking up almost a quarter million signatures isn't amazing. It's it's Awesome, and it's it shows for a guy that really, well, what does he have to gain, right? I'll tell you what he has to gain. He has to gain the purity of what we've all thought this was always supposed to be about, right? Which is love of the game, mm-hmm. love of teammates, love of competition, love of OSU. Like, he checks all those boxes. Yeah, He's the guy that probably shouldn't be out there fighting for a season because he knows – that he'd be risking more than anyone else on the team. Right. As far as we, we really can probably – I'm not saying that he's a, a guarantee at being the first Buckeye take it in the draft, but it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. all we wanted – and last week I said it on the show. If you're going to pull the plug on the season, then give us the information you're getting and tell us this is why you took this advice – and had to package it up and say, I believe this. Everyone's taking a leap of faith. If the ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC want to go do this, it sends this powerful message that we care about the kids more, and mm-hmm. we, they want to play, so that means we want to play. I can't completely get there 100% that the Big Ten presidents of their universities – and I know Bob said this last week about all these people still making salaries. So they're not as motivationally, they're not financially motivated because they're still getting paid. Yeah. But aren't, aren't these people, isn't the university's financial viability under their watch? Isn't there, isn't the athletic department and the viability of that financially under their watch? Like they want to keep those numbers as, as high as they can be. And so it's hard for me to get a hundred percent that. They just don't care. And so, because I think they do have reasons to care. But with Justin Fields doing this, it, it could draw out, and I think the motivation is to draw out Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten. Parents want him on the record. They deserve that. Mm-hmm. We called for him to be on the record last week. I did. Mm-hmm. Presidents are making decisions based on what they are dealing with. Well, let's find out from their mouths what they believe they're dealing with.
3: Yeah. No, I am fully in that camp, AR, and I do think that, you know, Warren needs to come out and reveal the medical angle of this because that's what they dug in on is the advice that they were getting from medical experts led to the decision to postpone the season at least till spring or try to get the season off and running during the springtime. And I think, like you said, the parents and all these players, more importantly, and coaches deserve to hear exactly why because I do think, I agree with Justin on the front that these guys should be able to make this decision with if they have all the information. They don't have all the information right now from Warren and all these other presidents, but I think they deserve that. So if you give them that, and you give them the opportunity to say, hey, these are the risks. If you do decide to play, leave it up to the player. They're the ones putting in all the work. They're the ones grinding day in and day out. But I think the angle that you touched on there was the big part of this for me, is that this is a guy that doesn't need to do this. He has the ultimate golden ticket right now sitting right in his lap. When the draft rolls around, he's going to be probably a top 10 pick. Like you said, the first probably Buckeye off of the board. He's that special when he plays the most important position. So for him to be digging in uh, to this degree, I think it's, it's very respectable. And I know Buckeye Nation is going to uh, love him even more so than they already do because of this. And we know how important this is to a lot of people that are involved. And I know a lot of people right now are still very upset about it. And I totally respect that. But the fact that he's got a ton of momentum, this many signatures behind this thing already, uh, it, it's huge, AR. And I just look at guy because we've seen so many athletes college football athletes right now throughout these previous seasons that look at their NFL draft status and, and decide not to play and I've always been the camp off I understand that and for a guy like Justin Fields that's pedal to the metal right now trying to get this thing rolling in the fall I think that's absolutely huge and he, he isn't the only one but sit here sitting here in Columbus he is the most important one right now because he's the quarterback here at Ohio State so no I, I, that's big time on his part AR but yeah you just talk about all the risk that come involved with this thing that that weighs on a lot of people's minds. And you talk about the presidents and all of this stuff. Like, I kind of understand it. But I was in the camp of, let's hit pause, man. Let's hit pause for a little bit. Let's see if we can continue to get through this thing when we get students on campus. Let's look at some of the numbers then. And then let's make a decision. That was the frustrating part on my end as a big-time college football fan like you. It's just like, come on, man. Like, Let's just hold off for a little bit because I think the more information you get, the better. Especially during these times that we're already in. But they wanted to be first, and they wanted to take the safest route. And I know there's a lot of people that understand that. But I would have went down the road of, you know what, we have time. We built this schedule with by weeks in them to deal with these type of situations. Let's do that and yeah. take it from there. Obviously, they didn't decide to do that. I don't know if we get a football season in the fall based off of what Justin Fields is proposing right now. But I do know that he's one of the faces of college football and his voice is going to be heard. And I do think that Kevin Warren needs to come out again and explain in detail on the mm-hmm. medical side the exact reasons why they got to that decision. Because I don't think that you can just put this thing to bed and say, OK, wash your hands with it. We're going to try to first figure out a spring season. I don't think that can go down.
2: Well, it, it only matters to these guys like Justin Fields if they do it now. You can't play right. catch up to SEC and Big 12 and ACC. I said this last week. You really have to hope they get shut down. Not that people are getting sick, but you have to hope it gets shut down. You have to, you have to if you're a Big 10 fan and a Buckeye fan, because then what season are you really rooting for? Mm-hmm. If those seasons go, if those seasons make it, then the spring is done in my mind. Like what, Big 10 versus Pac 12 and that's it? Like, it really, it dilutes everything when you're a national title contender like Ohio State. So it doesn't shock me that 250,000 people want them to play. That was never the issue. Right. There were enough sports-loving fans. You can, we can put out polls till we're, you know, dead, mm-hmm. and, and it'll be like, do you want football to be played this season? Really? You're putting that out to sports fans, like of course. And by the way, they're not the ones risking it; the players are. Of course, this is like fantasy yep. football, right? Yep. You don't care. You'll drop him. Get another player. Like <laughs> he gone. It, right. It, right. Yeah. She gone. Right. I, by the way, I got a she gone story for you. Not <laughs> what you not what you're thinking, but I got one for okay. you. It's a All new right. YouTube video that I'm watching. YouTube videos that I'm watching at midnight. I am Ugh. as hooked as anything. <laughs> of anything, it's like you know what I said. Yeah. Pot of black coffee and a vial of crack. I'm doing grout work in the bathroom at three a.m. That's how wired I am watching these. All right, we'll come back to that in the bulletin. You'll hear from Justin Fields at 1248. Up next, we'll get the expert vibe from Brian Lawton at the NHL Network. Will the Jackets win today? Where's his confidence level? That's next. Rothman and Ice
0: on the fan. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening to Rothman and Ice.
2: All right, back at it. Another matinee affair. Jackets time today, three o'clock against Tampa. Try to tie up the series. Treat it as one game. They've been a bounce back team all year. Uh, mentally, I don't see a problem. Physically, Torts may have actually given it some credence. We go to the Bryant Heating and Cooling System Spangest Hotline and hook it up with the twelve-year NHL vet, the former agent GM Brian Lawton of the NHL Network. Brian, welcome back. Thanks for the time.
4: Uh, my pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right,
2: so we played a game the other night on Saturday night where they get a five-on-three early, clang a post. Tampa dodges some undisciplined play. They looked a little reckless. We couldn't make them pay for it. How much does that take uh, wind out of the sails of the Jackets in your mind, even though they clawed back to make it a one-goal game in the third?
4: Uh, I don't think it'll take much of the wind out of the sails. I think that John Tortorella correctly uh, – and a little bit abnormally identified that his team may have been uh, may have been just a little bit tired playing the most playoff games or including the play-in round and the playoffs now may have taken a little bit of a toll on Columbus but they got a young group I expect them to be recharged re-energized and I expect to see a much better effort out of them today as a team just energy-wise
3: Brian, I, I want to get your take on Jonas Corposalo because leading into the playoffs, you know, it was up in the air for fans whether or not Torch was going to roll with Elvis or Corpy. How surprised are you by the level of play from Jonas Corposalo so far throughout the postseason?
4: Well, definitely pleasantly surprised that he's been able to have the consistency and maintain his play at such a high level. I thought they might have platooned. I thought that might have been the best way for their success, but uh, that hasn't been the case. and been a great call by torts um i do think that you know the biggest mistake right now in the national hockey league is how we value goaltenders you know you see a team or a former columbus blue jackets goalie making 10 million dollars a year then you have some other players making much less and teams haven't quite figured out that all these guys with the exception of Carey price are pretty darn close who you play for the system the structure uh, guys being up or down a little bit each year, that's the variance. But uh we're a little bit upside down in the NHL, how we value goaltenders, in my opinion.
2: It's Brian Lawton of the NHL Network, uh, they do an exceptional job, uh, NHL tonight. You know, I think his plan, Brian, was to I, – I can't say this for sure, but I think Tort said before this series against Toronto that he thought he'd use both. He wound up having to pull Corpy, puts Elvis in. If Elvis slams the door in in, in Game 4 – then of that shutout instead of the exact other way. Okay, he, he Either he's rattled or hurt and or both. I think you're right. He probably has an option then to play both. I think Elvis probably continues on in the playoffs. If he closes, if, if game four goes their way and he gets that shutout, then it's almost like, okay, he came in, he relieved, he won a game, let's ride the hot hand. Now they can't, so he doesn't have an option. It's all corpy. I think that's been the steady part of who they've been. I mean, he's given them a chance to win pretty much every game except that one. Are you confident the Jackets can manufacture enough shots to kind of get Tampa off their game a little bit? Looks like Tampa dominated that second period so much, it was like I couldn't even believe the shot discrepancy. Could you? Is there anything in your mind that says, okay, get back to the four-check dumping pucks? That's what CBJ does.
4: Uh, I'm confident that Columbus can do it, and I'll tell you why. It just has to do with energy levels for me. Um, You know, the Lightning went out and really tried to make significant moves. Uh, They gave up essentially two first-round picks to bring in guys that played a little bit more similar to the way a lot of the players on Columbus play, which is a little bit heavier, maybe not as fanciful as the superstars that we see on the Lightning. Um, But that's playoff hockey. And if Columbus comes out with a higher energy level today, they'll be just fine. This is going to be a competitive game. They've done a great job so far of certainly neutralizing. haven't been able to neutralize Point or Kucherov to the level that they probably would like to, but they have really taken away any second line from the Lightning. And those responsibilities without Stamkos in the lineup takes away the options for Tampa, but it's, for Sorelli to have to play in that role. He hasn't done anything. He's got a point in six games in this round robin and playoffs. So, I like Columbus's chances. They just got to get back to playing the way that they are known to play. Steal a little bit of a page from St. Louis last night against Vancouver and hit everything that moves and make this just a really heavy, hard-fought hockey game. If they do that, I think they'll have success.
3: Brian, I want to ask you about one specific guy and just get your vibe on Pierre, Pierre-Luc Dubois because we saw him put up a hat-trick not too long ago and I know he was selected number three overall. What do you think or how much of an X factor do you think he has to be for this hockey club moving forward throughout the postseason?
4: Pierre's a really interesting guy. I mean, obviously, earlier in his career when Panarin was still there, i.e. last year, I felt like uh, that was a real benefit for him. When he left, I felt like it was a little tougher sledding, and then I've seen him kind of regain his footing in the playoffs, which I love to see. I hate to see what happened on the bench the one game because this used to happen to me, and it drove me crazy. The coach calls you out, he's all over you, and then you respond with some great play. It doesn't always happen that way. There's a lot of luck involved in hockey and opportunities and things like that, but I hate when the coach thinks, Oh, if I do that to Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's just going to respond. It drives you crazy as a player. I just think the guy's a good player. He's big. He's strong. He can skate. He's got skill. He's a little bit unique from most of the other players on Columbus in that he is capable of playing a heavy game, but he's also capable of playing a skill game. Uh, The best is in front of him. It was a great pick by the Blue Jackets if you go back and examine that draft. And it's really worked out well for them. A lot of people thought, honestly, that Narmo Kekalainen his finished background, would take Yessi Pugliarvi. They surprised everybody at that draft, and I think they've been rewarded for it.
2: Brian Lott with us, uh, 12-year NHL vet, analyst now on the NHL Network. We appreciate his insights. So well, let's check a couple boxes here today for the Columbus Blue Jackets. The fatigue factor, that kind of whatever that happened in the last game, you think now that we're down 2-1 that – they break through whatever wall they hit. You confident there?
4: I am. I really am. Columbus proved uh, immediately in the first game, even though they didn't win, that they can compete with the Lightning. And regardless of, you know, last year, it was a complete shock. I mean, just be honest. I mean, the Lightning were one goal away from probably sweeping Columbus. Instead, Columbus turns that game one around, wins, and sweeps the Lightning This year, you needed to re-see that Columbus would be able to compete because anybody that's playing a team like the Lightning has to prove that. Not just the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is an elite, dynamic team that the Lightning have. And uh, I've seen all of that. I've actually been really pleasantly surprised. I love Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, but Zach Wierenski has played at another level for me. He's been spectacular. Everybody knows he has the offense, but his ability to defend against players of the caliber that the Lightning has has been exceptional. Seth Jones and Zach, to me, have been the the two best players in this series so far.
2: They have alternated wins and losses the Jackets have since they started the postseason. Uh, So if the trend continues, they'll win this game today and tie it up. Brian, thanks for jumping on, man. We uh, direct everybody to the NHL Network. You guys do a fantastic job. Uh, you guys are always open to coming on our show. We appreciate it very much.
4: Well, thank you very much.
2: Thanks. Thanks. Brian. That's Brian Lawton, twelve-year NHL vet, former agent, GM as well, on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Vegas hotline. Vegas doesn't think very much of the Jackets' chances anymore, and that seems to fit them, Maddie. That's yep. exactly what they want. I've gone. I. I don't think that they're a team. I think we can all admit they don't have an abundance of finishers. Uh, We saw an incredible finish by Wenberg the other night. We know what Borky can do. We know Seth's got a an all-star shot. We know Zach does as well. Like, they can put the puck in the net. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those deals where it seems like they're just not that that set-up, draw-it-up kind of team. They get their offensive chances off being physical. And when you lose your legs or you hit a wall, which they did, The other night, even though when they got that quick strike early third, I thought, Oh my, like where they still have something and they just couldn't put pucks on the net and, and probably because they just couldn't get enough possession because their possession is gained based on being physical. It's not the tape to tape, tic tac toe down Mm -hmm. the ice. Just that isn't who they are. They don't have enough of that. So if they can up their volume. Yep. then I'm confident that that puck's going to go in the net. But they cannot win games when their volume is in the dumper. No and way. that's what it was in, in Game 3.
3: Yeah, and like we touched on earlier, AR, you talk about the start of that game and that's that's what they were doing. They were firing those shots at the net. It was in their favor very early on. It's just, can we maintain that through three entire periods? And the physicality is going to be interesting today because, like you said, Torch touched on it. He admitted, look, the guys are probably low gas. And I think that's okay. I think that's real when you look at them coming out of a five-overtime game in game number one. And like I said, the mentality is going to be there. It's just those those moments where we're at the front of the net we've got a window open, can we cash in? It's the question I can't answer right now because it's been a continued question. But yeah, when we get our power play opportunities, let's apply that pressure the way that some of these other teams can. Now, we may not have the skill, but if we can just keep firing and firing away, I think that will help us out more so than trying to play on the defensive end maybe for an entire game. I know it's easier said than done, but but I'm with you, A.R. We have our chances, man. We got to go. We got to go because we aren't a team that's built to try to come back yeah. and all those things. That doesn't work for us. So I think an early lead today to get in the mind of Tampa a little bit of, hey, these guys aren't laying down, could be huge for us.
2: All right, let's play real quickly, 30 seconds. Maddie Ice is 100 softer in dollars. How much would you need back for the Jackets oh, to win the series? If you that? had to make that wager right now, Jackets win the series, 100 soft earned dollars. What would I have to give you back for you to plunk down? 50? Half? No. Wait, what? No, no. I'm talking about you're betting the Jackets to win the series. They're down 2-1. You're giving me 100. What would you expect <sighs> oh, back God, if the Jackets even, win the series? I don't even know. I'm going to have to do some expert toolage yeah, I, now on this show. Yes, it's I It's going to be know. wager
3: 101. Goodness gracious! What can I answer after the break? Let me do some math. Yeah. I'll get back to you after the break. How about that?
2: That's fine. We'll give not you. Math is not my forte, AR. you know that. You were told there would be no math exactly. on the new Rothman and Ice show. Exactly. You, you were mistaken. Right. This kind of math is the best kind of math. <laughs> All right. When we come back, Justin Fields, his strong response to the Big Ten, to the presidents, the chancellors, whoever will listen. Next, Rothman and Ice on the fan. Rothman and Ice present.
0: Buckeye
1: Bolton, sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Bearing the heat? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train systems, including zero percent APR for sixty months.
2: All right, Buckeye Bolton time. Ohio State superstar Justin Fields has led the campaign. He wants them to plug back in the season. Who can blame him? He's a twenty-one-year-old. He's a Heisman hopeful. He's the quarterback on a national title-contending team. Launched a petition on Sunday, and his target was the Big Ten Conference. Wants to get them to reconsider postponing the fall season. Now it's already, I I haven't checked it lately, it was over 220,000 when we started the show, I believe. And I'm here to tell you, I've been on the sign up, you know, basically sign away and let's go play. It was that waiver, like... These guys wanted a waiver for safety protocols if they were going to get have to play the season. Now that they've unplugged the season, now it's almost like the players. Okay, we'll call you and raise. Okay, we well, you didn't you didn't you didn't hear us right away. Right. Now we, we'll go play. But what are they going to be willing to do? I think that's what's still left out there. Here's Justin Fields, his message to the Big Ten higher ups.
1: My biggest message to them would just really just to get them to realize how bad our players want to play and just the guys that, you know, the guys that have come back for their fifth year, sixth year, come back off of injury. I think that uh, we, we owe it to those, to those guys the most. Uh, you know, I've, I've just seen behind the scenes and all the work that they've put in and how much they really care about it. And um, I, I also believe all the coaches and, and all the parents' players Want us to play, and they they also safe with the guidelines Ohio State has set. So I just think that's the biggest uh, message I'd like to get out to them.
2: All right, that's on ESPN Radio this morning on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, Justin Fields. Like I said earlier, Maddie, yeah. it's no surprise they want to play. I think uh-huh. now we've learned they're not going to lay down. That's no. it. It's like yeah. it's we knew they wanted to play, they unplugged the season, and maybe the Big Ten thought, okay, that's it lights out and I think Justin Fields at least spearheaded something here which is we're not going to let it die at least not yet
3: and I think it's important to do so right it just shows that you obviously have a passion for what you do and he's not thinking about what's coming down the road No, there's other guys involved in this that are going to get a nice payday maybe not to the Justin Fields level but they're all in the mix and he's trying to stand up for his guys that have been here obviously before he's been here talking about the seniors and guys working their way back from injuries that's huge you talk about see I mean uh, Jonathan Cooper local guy who's went through a lot last year with injuries decided to run it back and now he's faced with this whole decision I'm sure that's very tough so yeah, the quarterback of this school standing up and not only looking out for himself, but looking out for guys that he's just been around for a couple years. I think it's awesome, man. And who knows where this thing goes? But the fact that he's realized that he's got a platform and a voice to try to dig in to get this thing rolling, man. I think it's um, I think it's huge.
2: It's huge because of who's saying it, right? It's not. It's not that if there were some other guys in the team saying it wouldn't matter. It's just. This is the one that's going to get headlines for for a couple big reasons. The biggest for me is that he doesn't have to play. Right. Like nothing right. nothing is changing for him. Could he be the number one pick? Yeah. Could he? It's for all the right reasons. That's the cool part about it. Mm-hmm. It's like he has so. I don't want to say he has he has nothing to gain because he does the stuff I said earlier. Competing for a title is the purest form of amateur athletics. Like that's it. Like I know yeah. we don't want to put these guys in the amateur box anymore because because of the billions that are brought in every year. If this isn't refreshing to people, I don't know what is. Right. Now let's go to the one uh, if we can real quickly on about the other conferences playing. Why can't they?
1: I think if the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve all think that we can have a you know season safely, then I don't see any reason why the Big Ten can do the same. Like I said earlier, I think what we're doing at Ohio State is very safe and I think if we can get everybody on the same track in the conference, I think that'll be a safe way to actually conduct the season.
2: Uh, here's the operative word, and I said it earlier, and we'll get more on this when we hit the top of the hour. When he says if they think they can play, why can't we? Think is it. They think they can, they're going. The problem we have now, the Big Ten has, is those trains are out of the station. We're playing catch-up. Now, the seasons haven't started yet, and games haven't been played yet, but that's going to be the big deal. That's going to be the telltale sign of all of this. It's going to be how, whether there's collateral damage from a perception, from a recruiting standpoint, um, if there'll be collateral damage on the other side, if the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 go, and tons of dudes get the virus, and... Maybe one or two actually go to the hospital. Who knows? Like right. so that's kind of what we're playing with here, the the teeter totter situation when it comes to college football. Maddie will hit more of that at the top of the hour. We'll reset on the jackets. And of the power three conferences that are going forward, we finally have a pretty big name at one of those schools that is opting out. We'll tell you about that next. Rothman and Ice on The Fan.
0: Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios.
1: Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com.
0: WBNSFM. HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Sports Center. And I'm Timmy Hall. Good afternoon. We've had a lot of it lately, and it's starting to feel normal. The Columbus Blue Jackets in an empty arena for some daytime playoff hockey because, of course, 3 o'clock faceoff today in a critical game as they trail the Lightning two games to one. It's all right here on the fan. Baseball, the Indians fresh off beating the Tigers for the 20th straight time. You heard that right. They get the night off, and then we'll head east to Pittsburgh for a Tuesday nighter. The last two games of the Reds-Pirates series were postponed due to one positive COVID test for Reds player, but Cincy is scheduled to get back at it tomorrow night in Kansas City. NBA playoffs are here. Starts from the bubble at 1.30 in the West. Jazz Nuggets game one. Three more games after that today, including the Nets and the Raptors at four o'clock. This update brought to you by Jermaine Toyota, the best selection of new and used cars in Central Ohio. Check them out online at JermaineToyota.net, breaking sports news on the fan, Ohio's sports destination. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. Well, that's not far off. It's not at that all.
4: Is-
2: that's closer than we want to admit. Oh, Rothman my and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice. You know I was thinking at the switches.
3: We're gonna spend a ton of time talking about our fantasy teams. Like that's we love fantasy football. You and I for years now i've been your behind the curtains gm we've we've talked about different moves master absolutely that was me and the fact that we're now hosting a show together we got to get a team together i think that has to happen we'll just draft our team and we'll talk people's ears off every monday about
2: how bad our team is let's do that the ice dogs
3: there um, it is
5: right there right
2: <laughs> uh, all right so there's nothing more boring to people listening than talking about your fantasy team oh come no on mine. that's like, not true it, it's it's awful no trust me i don't even want to hear it uh, i it's i think what happens with fantasy we can all commiserate together like i think that's what it is so i, I do like the stories i don't like them but they're entertaining <laughs> of like fractional losses on the week what led to what why this dude took a knee why this guy taking a knee for a sack at the end of the game, lost me a week. <laughs> like, those things. Like, those are the ones that really would drive you, and I have, a, I have a fear of heights, but that stuff will send me to the top of a building. Yeah, like, that absolutely. stuff. Like, that stuff I can't stand, but that's why. And I, by the way, before I got to the radio station, I did not play fantasy sports. What? Like, I was just, yeah, just talking head, didn't care about fantasy sports, didn't. There were people that were trying to get me into it. I'm like, nah, don't want to do it, don't care. Sounds stupid, boring. I'm a real sports guy. And then I (laughs) I get to the, and then I get to the radio station and I did it kind of as a tool to just know more players, be able to talk about sports a little more, a little more knowledgeable. No, that's a real thing. It's, it's turned into like the over the top, like it's, it's gone way too far. And I don't know if I can, if I can take it back. Now, with that being said, you are the innocent of all you have, I want to do the Don Hanley, the end of the innocence on this show with you. <laughs> and that's probably an old song reference that maybe one day you'll get. And that was for my former co-host, Mr. Carpenter, if he's listening. Like, he will understand what the end of the innocence is on um, wagering. It's not that I ever want you to place a bet. Because you have, and you lost, and you decided to go, that's it. Yeah, you die. were the dude that tried the cigarette, <laughs> kind of puked a little bit call for a ne- minute, straight. Never again. Right. And, and, and to your credit, you haven't. You haven't lit up again. No. No blazing up in here, Wastoid. You nope. have not done it. So um, I, will, I will ask it this way. How much do you think I would get back if I bet the Jackets just to win the series now oh, down two games to one? A hundred soft earned dollars today, and they're very soft because we're only doing a two-hour show. Dude, you're speaking a foreign language. See, to your it's boy, amazing you know that you this. can't even compute a number. Well, you know that I don't that you bet. You know
3: this. You know that I don't All right, I'm bet. I'm just going to give you the answer. I live
2: through you. Why don't you just tell me the wager you'd like to make? Thank you. All right. Um, If you bet $100 softer and dollars today on the Jackets to win the series and they win the series, I'm going to give you your 100 back and then add 450 to that. Come on. They're 450 to one. <laughs> Now, if you decided to go the other way and bet Tampa to win the series, up to one feeling good, you know what $100 gets you back? $14.29. That's ridiculous. That's how confident they are that Tampa's going to close them out. There's really good value there when we speak of value. Now, value doesn't mean a win. Value is this stupid word that we invented in gambling that entices you to make the wager. But you're always betting on the underdog, But as Scotty Vegas and I like to say, ooh, that's an interesting bet. We don't attach interesting to betting the favorite. We never have. So I'll just leave it at that. I think people would be interested to know that Vegas has pretty much written the jackets off. They're done. They're time. Well, they is shouldn't done. be doing that. They should not be doing that because the Jackets have shown we're going to bounce back. Bounce. We
3: are going to bounce back. I think the physicality was a real thing, but no doubt, man, this, this Jackets team is going to be locked in. We got a couple hours till we drop puck and I'm not too worried about the mentality part of it. I do think maybe later in the game, AR, if this turns to be a grinder of a game late in that third period, that may show a little bit, but I think Torts giving them a the day of rest yesterday, uh, could pay off for them just a
2: little bit in this game. I'll put it this way: They're a bounce back team that still needs bounces, like that's who they are. Yeah, and and so I can admit that fully. I'm not. No one's making them a Stanley Cup contender today or before the playoffs. I mean, they were sixty to one. We knew that they'd be a tough out. That's what we always did. That's a nice little badge of 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 honor. Oh, we're going to be a tough out. We're not going to lie down. We're not. We're going to be a physical team. You're going to beat us. You're going to have to go through us to do it, and that's cool. And that's that's kind of a nice blue collar mentality. When you're playing a team like this that's highly skilled, we think we can knock them off their game. And I think we can, but we have to make them pay. You have to make five on threes backfire. If you don't, they, they help them tremendously mentally and they kill you mentally. Like they're just, it's the, really the double edged sword. If I thought this team had a, had a, uh, a complex scoring on the power play, Give them a five on three and watch them not do it you don't th- you don't think that's gonna hurt their complex. like wait a yeah. minute, we can't even score on the power play now we're five on three, and we can't do it like so that does concern me, but I think they're strong enough mentally just five on five to win a hockey game. Stay smart, stay out of the box and and just kind of get after it today and then and then get pucks to the net. Don't leave the ice today thinking that you didn't make you didn't test Vasilevsky enough. all right yep. with that being said. Um, I did get a tweet from a couple people on the Justin Fields thing and I'll read a couple of them real fast. And then we'll get into the other dude that, that pulled out of the other conference. Uh, Doug tweets in the commission probably didn't realize that the players wanted to play badly. I'm sure that changes everything. So his sarcasm just bleeds through the Twitter machine. And I will say this to Doug, Doug, I've been there. I said it earlier in the show. I understand the sarcasm of it. And I, cause I said it too. I'm not shocked. No one's shocked that. Football players want to play. The college kids want to play that there's something there that speaks to them not just taking the news from the Big Ten and saying, okay, thank you very much. And we'll be on our way. This is about trying to raise enough momentum where you force the people who made the decision to give you the specifics on why they did it. That's it. And not, and, and I'm, I've played this very objectively. I'm not fanboy. I'm not going to tell you rah, rah, let's go. Bucks need to get on the field. Nothing matters. That's not it. It's, I'm not going to play that game, but I do need people to get on the record on why they make decisions. Just like I was being objective about the coaches, the coaches want to lead their kids out onto the battlefield. They do believe they've had the right safety protocols. You know what you need to hear from the coaches? The big, the big ones, what their understanding of the virus is and where why their level of risk is where it is. That's all. Then they're on the record. That way, if one of their kids gets it and goes to the hospital, then they're on the record saying that they thought it wasn't as bad as what they thought it was. Right. Yep. Same for the commissioner. Commissioner can't come out and say, we've got a task force for infectious disease. We've got a task force with doctors and trainers. I listen to them. I'd pull the plug on the season. I'm the guy who thinks about safety first. Everybody have a good night. That doesn't play either. He needs to come on the record and give the information to these players and parents on what he heard from the infectious disease people and what and listen, it's their it's their you know prerogative whether they want to trust that doctor or their trainers, but at least you'd know why he took that information and made the decision. And then it's like I said to you earlier, are are they all going to sign a waiver that they that if anything happens that five years from now, if they're having long term heart problems or something that they deem came from beating the virus and something lingered damage wise, that they can't come back and wave it in Ohio State's face and say, Why did you let my kid play? Yeah. So Just give us the we, why.
3: Just give us the why. Yeah. That's so what are we, we need, going I to think... the
2: sign away, let's go play? Because I think that's what needs to be added to this. Everyone wants the let us let them play, you need to add a hashtag, sign away, let them play. Because (laughs) I do think we're getting to that point. If anything's going to change, and I understand what Doug's saying by this, I don't think they're going to – they're not shaking up the atmosphere by doing a petition. It's a great leadership thing. The shaking up of the atmosphere is if all those parents come back and say, put a waiver in front of my face, I'll sign it, my kid will too, now we can kick it off.
3: That's the big part of this, or I think that that should be a big part of this is the parents' voice because, or voice is. I think that should matter because their kids are obviously the ones that are are around these, you know, these coaches and all these other players on the daily, and they could be in direct contact with someone that could have it. But if they feel comfortable enough with what their sons are going through, getting tested twice a week, like I do, think the commissioners and presidents do do need to hear those voices louder than what they have been already. Because I know that Ohio State and there's been some other Big Ten schools where parents have. Written a letter where they want to get this thing rolling, get a decision going in the other direction. But so I I think that holds a ton of weight or should hold a ton of weight because where these guys are right now, AR, and some of the quotes that you're seeing from some players with how comfortable they feel in their programs around those facilities Mm -hmm. on the daily basis, man, like those are the guys that matter. But if you're going to tell these players we can't go for medical reasons, like you said, that needs to be black and white. That needs to be very, very clear. Clear of what the situation is because I know that they've kind of thrown, there's been some stuff thrown out there about some heart issues that could come about, or some players have a certain diagnosis where, you know, this could affect your heart down the road. I get that. But lay it out like the Pac-12 did. I thought the Mm Pac-12 did a pretty good job with detailing, throwing out a little bullet point presentation or whatever it was. Is Here's the medical stuff, the reasoning, the reasons we got. And that's how we got to this point. We have not gotten that from the Big Ten as clear as we had from the other conference in the Pac-12 that decided to join that same party. So I think that for sure, we need to clear up that gray cloud because if we don't get that from Kevin Warren, then you're going to continue to get this pushback and I think you should continue to get this pushback because that surface level reasoning that we got it's not enough and I, if I'm a player mm-hmm. that's been putting in all this work mainly like Justin Fields and all these other guys that have been around the program I'm ticked off about that because I need a little bit more juice behind your reasoning because it doesn't make enough sense and if we get a couple weeks away from this thing and we see an SEC team kick off or a Big 12 mm-hmm. team go out go out there and play that is going to be an unbelievable scene in a bad way in Big Ten country, AR, because we can only imagine the uproar that is going to come from not only the coaches and the players, but the families as well. And I do think at that yeah. point it would be justified because I think you not even giving it a couple more weeks to let it breathe, um, I, I don't think that was a very good look. Even though in your heart your reasoning behind it was probably pure and true that you're just trying to protect some players with the medical stuff that ain't going to fly. If we get a couple weeks away from where we are right now, and we got football being played.
2: The optics are going to be rough, whether yep. it's sustainable or not is is anybody's guess. And like I said earlier, it's if the Big 10 and the Pac-12 even dream of having something next year, which I think it's just I think they're leaving that carrot out there and I don't think it's it probably isn't okay. gettable, especially if the Power 3 actually play and finish a season. Then you'd have to ask Justin Fields, what does it all mean? Because I think what, I think what Justin Fields wants to do here is get this thing back plugged in. I think that's a a huge hurdle. There's no way four or five days removed. The Big Ten says, Oh, we've seen the errors of our ways. We, uh, we got the wrong report or looked at it again and we've decided to give it a try. Are you kidding me? You're going to play with the emotions and health. Like, if you really, th- if you think these guys are dummies now for pulling the plug, guess what you're going to call in that, you're going to be calling them if they plug the season back in five days later. Like, oh, all we needed to see was a petition. Like, so they're going <laughs> to dig in probably a little further. What the petition does is it forces the powers that be to answer for their decision making. It doesn't mean, cause listen, are they using science to help them? Yeah. Is that, I'm no scientist. Neither are you. ACC found a doctor at Duke that says, let's do it. SEC, has they're going forward, and if it's sustainable, then you're right. It's a bad deal. You start bringing kids back to campus, you're facing a whole other challenge. And I can't imagine that those football teams and those other conferences are going to be able to sidestep this thing for very long. But it also depends on their level of concern about quarantine, like I guess if you could revolving door but if it happened in professional baseball I can't imagine that it wouldn't happen to college teams so let well, them put out their schedule let them give it a try but if you're a Big 10 fan and a Buckeye fan you want it to be shut down now I think you if you're leaning on the whether you think the plug is going back in the outlet for Big Ten, or whether the SEC, Big Twelve, and ACC is going to get unplugged, you better lean on that side.
3: Yeah, I wanted to bring this quote up really quick, coming from Josh Myers there, because I think it it really matters when you hear something like this. And as a player on a team, you don't want to be the guy that gets it because you were being a fool and you were out somewhere you shouldn't be. And mm-hmm. I, that's coming obviously from a, a leader on this team, but that's the message that's being sent around over there at that facility. And look, this is a team. That has national championship aspirations We heard Coach Day last week or the week before Talk about how special of a squad he knew he had So for that to get ripped away It's tough, but to hear that from Josh Myers lets you know that these guys are taking it very serious. And the leaders of this team are talking to the young guys or guys that may not get a ton of playing time saying, look, man, we're all in this together. So when you leave and you go back to your dorm or your apartment, whatever it is, keep the bigger picture in mind. And I know that message probably isn't as clear at other schools that aren't contending for a national championship, but to hear that from Josh Myers and to see this from Justin Fields You have to feel good as an Ohio State fan saying, look, they are probably doing everything that they need to be. And Mm -hmm. to not hear this from the coaches, but to hear it from players that are taking it that serious, I think it's big. But, yeah, I don't know how much... How much traction we'll get from this AR, but there's no question. I'm with you, man. Like all college football fans are going to want football, no doubt. But I do think the powers that be, Kevin Warren's of the world, you can't ignore this. No, you can't ignore this any longer. Just sit in your office, not come back out and give us more explanation as to why you got to the
2: decision. You may. If you think, first of all, it keeps it alive. It keeps the story, the story still has a heartbeat. And as long as it has a heartbeat, then there's a chance. Yep. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't bet on it, but there's a chance, and it keeps it alive, and it keeps the powers that be on edge. If you think some guys have regret about this or feel bad about it, imagine a dude that, that left one of those conferences that's going forward to come to the Big Ten, and now imagine that you play a position that the school you left had a do just opt out I'll tell you about that when we come back. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: You're home for hockey and hounds. You're listening to Rothman and Ice.
2: All right, back out of here. We'll have Bill Landis on from the athletic bottom of the hour. As we cruise throughout a Monday here on Rothman and Ice, we appreciate you listening. Hopefully you locked in this morning for the morning juice with Beamer and Carp and Schlegs from six to nine. And you just keep it locked in all day. Don't go anywhere. We got you covered. Uh, I'll reiterate, uh, I have played the same sarcasm card, too, today about, oh, what, suddenly the commissioner will think that, uh, oh, we got a petition now? What, we're up to 200,000-plus signatures? Oh, it's parents and kids who want to play? Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Let's go play. It's not that. It's not that. Here's what I believe it's about. It's not just saying thank you for canceling our season and we'll be on our way. It gives the story a faint heartbeat still. Whether it turns up the stove a little bit on, on Warren and the president's I don't know. I doubt it. But it's about not just accepting the broad stroke of, we're here for your safety, you should be thanking us, and we're going away. You're still going to class. You're still on campus. Do I understand that a full contact sport like football, you have a better chance of transmitting a virus? Yeah. But within those walls, they're testing people. It's like Fort Knox. They're not letting them in. Is there an incubation period? Of course there will be. There's no guarantee. It's not 100% that somebody squeezes through in the incubation period and then blossoms with the virus and then they get shut down. Sure. If that's what they're afraid of, I understand that too. If, they're, if they've been spooked by for real about maybe some heart problems from athletes who have kicked the virus, possibly with the myocarditis that's caused by a virus. Has that been around a while? Yeah. Are there hurdles? Of course. Like there's a question that every time you turn around, there's a question and I think what's the problem is we're seeing other sports give it a try. I know these are college kids. We're going to see what happens with the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC. Maddie, let me get this story out to you. Yeah. You know about Sermon coming here from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. This was going to be his time to compete to be the starting running back at Ohio State. Yep. Well, on Saturday, Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley said none of his players had expressed a desire to opt out due to COVID concerns. Guess what happens a day later? Kennedy Brooks opts out the running back, 2000 yard running back, 18 TDs over the last two years. He's gone 1K each year. Last year, 1K on 155 carries. He was set to be a redshirt junior this year. It's a little, it's interesting because it's the big name so far out of the power three. And I say power three, they're going forward. And so imagine, and this is what it, where it hit me. Five months after Trey Sermon hits the transfer portal to come to Ohio State, his season gets shut down. The school he left is going forward. And their leading returning back opts out.
3: And how about this, AR? I'll this another running back on their team is going to miss a few games due to suspension from the NCAA. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. So they're really uh, hurting at that position.
3: Stevenson, right? Yeah. So they're really yeah. hurting at that position. And you mentioned Oklahoma. Ironically, right with it. a
2: positive drug test, by the way.
3: Oh, the, yeah. then Lincoln no. Riley came out and said that nine players had tested positive. He let those guys go home, gave him a couple of days off, and then nine guys came back with it. So it's a very, very tricky deal. you talked about how important he is to their team. Dude's an absolute baller. You threw out the numbers. That's huge for a team that's shown over the last couple of years, AR, that they're going to be in the mix. They absolutely are going to be a team you got to deal with, especially with Lincoln Riley and how he's rolling out quarterbacks right now. So yeah, this is definitely a huge deal, but we've seen this now in College football where big-time names for whatever reason have decided to say "Huh, yeah, you know what i'm good and, and i respect the heck out of it especially for the guys that have grinded their entire lives to get to this point and say you know what man it's all about getting to the nfl i want to hear my name called as a first round pick second round pick whatever the case is like this is their moment and now you're talking about pushing a season back or potentially for some of these guys playing a season in the spring it's just not worth it but on the big 12 front They're up and rolling, man, and they got a game scheduled week one against Missouri State on September 12th. Mm -hmm. So this stuff is going to happen very, very fast. And for um, Lincoln Riley, look, nobody's going to feel too bad for a school like Oklahoma with the way they recruit. But like you you were touching on, AR, this guy's a proven product. This guy has been, like you Mm -hmm. said, 1,000 yards the last couple of years. So, yeah, absolutely, they're going to feel that. But this is the new world that we're in, and I think everybody's going to have different reasons as to why they don't want to go out there and ball.
2: I don't, I don't know his reasons. I, I, right. I don't know. I'm assuming it's the COVID concerns. That's, that, I haven't seen anything else. He was going to be their leading running back on a conference that was going forward. And maybe he feels like, Hey, I can protect my body for the NFL. And I think that's it. AR. A year out. He's, I'm a running back. Why yep. risk it? That's it. You that's know? it. And, and so I get that. And I, I got it from Bateman. I got it from Parsons too. So I understand if they feel like that they're, that this will help them with their NFL career. The one thing I keep saying about Ohio State. And I was all into buying time. If the SEC and the ACC and Big 12 wanted to go and start Labor Day weekend, go ahead. We'll start on the 26th. We'll start first weekend in October. We're fine. And I'll tell you why I felt that way. I think Ohio State's good enough, great enough, that if they even got a, six, a six-game season in, that they would be picked by the College Football Playoff Committee. I do. Because I think out of all the years, there won't be enough data. There won't be enough strong non-conference games. There won't be enough separation. Now, you have to win them all. You got to win all your six. You can't go to Penn State and lose. But if you got six in, that committee would say our job is to get the four best. Yeah. And that's why I think Justin Fields and his guys are still fighting. Cuz even yes. if they don't start yep. Labor Day, even if they don't start September 26, even yep. if they don't start if they don't start at all, then you better hope the other ones get shut down too. But if you could even start early October and play October and November and get a Big 10 title game in and you get six to eight games in, and you're undefeated, They're you're going. The They're in the and mix. So, they, yeah. That's why you keep fighting. No, I, keep I'm with th- you. And I think they will get the benefit
3: of the doubt. I think they will, AR, because look, the committee would look at, this is a squad that was just in the college football playoff last year. They returned a ton of guys, mainly the quarterback, but the guys on the offensive line, Sean Wade, the linebackers, I mean the list goes on, of key guys that they had returning. So I'm with you. Six, eight, ten games, whatever it is, if Ohio State goes out there and they got a donut in the loss column, they're playing in the college football playoff because of that and the recruiting. There's so much talent in the coaching, I think you would have to. Now, are, are some other teams from other conferences, their fan base is going to be ticked off if that scenario does come to fruition? Absolutely. Absolutely, But on the football side of things, I think there's a lot of people that can sit on that committee board and feel good about putting Ohio State in because of the history of this program, what we saw last year, and the talent that's still sitting here Mm -hmm. on the roster right now.
2: Bill Landis from The Athletic up next. We'll let him weigh in. He's fairly close to the situation in these players. Does he feel it'll have any weight? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: Movie references you may not get, even if you saw the movie. This is
2: Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back, Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice. We welcome our friend on from the Athletic. He is Bill Landis, Billy. Good to talk with you.
5: How you been? I'm good, guys. I'm uh, I'm honored to be on the inaugural show here.
2: <laughs> Thanks, brother. We appreciate your time, man. And, yeah, uh, we don't take that lightly, so we do appreciate it. And we'll hit you. Uh, we'll throw a little uh, high heat here. You think this petition has any legs? I've been saying for the last hour and a half. I think it's about these parents supporting their kids. I get it. It gives the optics better, it gives the story a faint heartbeat, maybe force the commissioner and the presidents to give a little more. Maybe it keeps the heartbeat alive for a start in October. I don't know. But they. I like it that they just didn't say thank you for canceling our season and we'll be on our way. How do you feel about it?
5: Yeah, I'm pretty much where you are. I've been listening to you guys this afternoon, and I'm and I, and I I'm in line with basically everything you said. Um the ultimate impact of it, I, I don't think, is anything super significant. Like, I don't think it's something that gets the season back on track or, or gets the Big Ten to reverse course totally. Maybe it's something that, that brings Kevin Warren or the administrators who made this decision to the table, so to speak, just to talk with these people, the, these parents and these players, and then give them some explanations that they, they've not gotten yet. And and I applaud Justin Fields for doing it. And, and I think it is interesting on its own that, that someone with uh, – the clout of Justin Fields and he's one of the most recognizable players in college football to do something like this, I, I do think means something. Um, I, I just don't think, you know, 200,000 fans and people who love Ohio state football signing a petition, like you've said, is not ultimately surprising. If it were thousands upon thousands of players signing it, I think that'd be a little different, but but there's no way to prove whether or not it is. And then I think it's probably just what you said, just a lot of fans getting behind Ohio state's quarterback and Ohio state's parents and then who can blame them.
3: Bill, I want to go to kind of fantasy world here. If we do have a spring season, and I don't think a lot of people would expect Justin Fields to play with his, you know, uh, draft status where it is right now. But if there was a game in the spring week one, who do you think would be the guy under Cinder? if Justin Fields
5: takes his talent to the NFL? Oh man, um, probably CJ Stroud. Man. I don't know. It's it's hard. Like we saw, what was he? One spring practice or two spring practices? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, C.J. Stroud is really special. Like you, you could tell the way the ball came out of his hand. It like it, It's a little different. Um, and Jack Miller, in his own right, is, is pretty talented. He, he's just not been healthy throughout high school, so it's kind of hard to get a read on exactly where he is. He was at one time one of the best high school quarterbacks in the country, so if he can get back to that, then certainly he's got a shot to be Ohio State's starting quarterback. But I think you look at the skill set of, of a guy like Stroud, it's sort of like a combination, and this would be crazy to say, like of like Haskins and Fields, I think. Maybe not as not as much of a physical freak as Fields is, but he can run it, he can spin it. Um, and he'd be he'd be my guy, I think, to, to win that job if they were in that situation.
2: Bill Landis with us from the athletic. So we're kind of all just sit in wait mode here now on on what could happen to Ohio State. do you think the whole transfer thing and guys, you know, pulling ripcord and saying if we're not playing, I got to go elsewhere. I mean, I don't even know if there are any scholarships available anywhere. or Who's going to boot somebody out to bring a better player in? I doesn't seem like it's the Power Three now going forward that they're they're kind of tighten their perimeter and we're going to just do what we're going to do.
5: I think that's right. Uh, the other thing is is these semesters are starting. Like we're basically right up against to get, being able to get enrolled and, and get accepted into a school if you transferred, I and mean, we might even be past that point for a lot of schools. I think if there are some that are on the. Um, Semester or not the semester the quarter calendar maybe you could do that but if you're on the semester calendar I have a hard time seeing anybody do that and and frankly even on Ohio State's roster I just don't know who you would look at it and say like oh that guy's going to bail the, the only guy that I that really comes to mind is a guy like Trey Sherman and it's not because he doesn't like Ohio State it's because of what just happened at Oklahoma with a guy yeah. who kind of took his spot a little bit just opted out and for the moment they're going to play. And I don't know what the timing is there. Or I'm assuming Trey would be able to do that if the timing was right, but I don't even know if it is. But, but outside of him, I don't think there's going to be any kind of mass activist here from the roster, even really with the recruiting classes. I think the recruiting considerations come into play if, if we do go into the fall and those leagues are playing in Ohio State's not, and then maybe there's a ripple effect for that for classes down the road.
3: Bill, you kind of touched on where I wanted to go and ask you about the recruiting kind of angle of this, because I know there was some initial reaction to the postponement of the season where some people were saying, well, this could be a big deal on the recruiting trail in a negative way for Ohio State. Do you view it that way? Are you in the camp of if they don't have this season, Ohio State can still be Ohio State and
5: they'll be just fine moving forward? I think it's overblown a little bit but but it's not it's it's something to keep in mind. If if there is a situation cuz like like on the table right now is a very real possibility that the SEC ACC and Big 12 play this fall and the Big 10 and Pac 12 just can't figure out a spring and they don't play again until next fall. So if those programs are all sidelined while the other leagues play, that's a big deal. And I guess like the flip to that would be, you could say, well, Ohio State would have all that time to recruit, which is true. But I think like the ultimate recruiting tool I think is, is playing and showcasing your program on the football field on Saturdays. than it is bringing kids to your campus. That's empty and there's no juice because there's no football for a year. So I, like that might balance things out a little bit, but not that much. And I spoke to some recruits who, who said they're getting hit up with messages like, Oh, the, the big 10 doesn't care as much about football as we do, or you can't, waste a year which is kind of a ridiculous sales pitch to a kid who's who's beyond the class of 2021 but of course they're using it anyway Uh, i i do think that the big 10 in general would have to fight some of that perception now if you were to say that about ohio state that ohio doesn't care about care about football it's clearly a ludicrous assertion and i don't think ohio state would have to be have to play too much defense in that way but the league as a whole i think could feel feel the brunt of that if, if we end up in that situation
2: Bill Lannis with us from the athletic. So you guys hit on a couple really important things here because, you know, you're kind of wondering, no one's rooting for anybody to get sick here, but the only way in my mind, Bill, this truly backfires on the SEC or the AC of the Big 12 is not that if it just gets shut down, because if it gets shut down, then they'll still be able to pat themselves on the back and say, we gave it a try. Like we, we cared enough to do it and to try to get through it. It backfires if somebody gets really sick. It backfires if one of their players uh, goes into the hospital and becomes a story. Um, obviously, they're willing to take on that challenge. Um, I agree with both of you that there is a little perception that the Big Ten is going to take a hit here if there's success with the other conferences, and I, I think that's still yet to be seen. I think if you're a Buckeye fan, you, you need the other conferences to get shut down for two reasons. To keep your hopes of a season alive, right? And that other perception you guys just talked about, which is the recruiting one. Like, I, I wish I knew how a 17 year old kid still, you know, thought about things, but I do know that their perception is reality on the internet. And if, if they see that the other schools had a season and got done with it and had it done successfully and competed for conference titles and national titles, there's a little bit there, isn't there? Still, like there's a little bit of of problem for the Big Ten.
5: Yeah, there there is, and and it, it puts it puts fans, I think, in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and even even some of the programs in in a in a bad position because like you don't, like you said, you you're not rooting for people to get sick, but but ultimately to get everyone on the same level playing field again, that is probably what would need to happen. Now, I, I would say that maybe. It feels a little bit like that the Big Ten in particular saw this big unknown situation and assessed the risk and whether it was worth it and, and didn't want to take on that risk. Meanwhile, these other three leagues, I think, have much of the same information and are understanding the risk but are willing to move forward and accept some of the risk. But they're pretty far removed from kickoff, so at least the SEC is. Now, I think it's possible that they get closer to kickoff and still have all of this uncertainty and say, you know what, we just don't know enough we can't move forward with this. And it doesn't involve anybody getting sick. It's just it's just the weight of the unknown, which I think played a factor here for the Big Ten. The Big Ten just pulled the plug quicker. So I think that is one avenue that you could potentially go down that gets everybody back on an even playing field where where harm is not done to people and we don't have to have to watch and like keep score of who's getting sick and who's not. But I also don't think that those leagues are going to trend in that direction. I think something kind of catastrophic might have to happen here to knock these leagues off track. And that's a pretty terrible position to be to be in.
2: Well, Bill, the story still has a faint heartbeat. It's got a pulse, so I know you'll be there to cover it. We appreciate you hopping on, man, and we'll talk to you soon.
5: Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks,
2: Bill Landis from the Athletic on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. It's got a pulse, Maddie. Yeah, it's it a does. Week, it's a weak one. Yep, it's a weak one. But the uh, we're not ready to uh, submit to this yet. At least uh, we know how State fans. are. Nah, they should. They should. They should. What else, what do you got, what more do you have to lose?
3: Nothing. You have nothing to lose. And like we've been touching on AR, you got three other conferences, major conferences out there that have this thing rolling, practicing and have their protocols in place and their season in place. And they're saying, as of right now, we're going. And the other two conferences, they have already pulled the plug. So somebody obviously is going to be right and somebody obviously is going to be wrong. And it's, it's unfortunate that that's going to have to happen if those conferences roll, but people are making bold decisions and that's what has to happen when you got big boy football being played.
2: And I think even if those conferences get shut down because there's an outbreak, as long as no one gets horribly sick, then I think they can still say, we're the conference that tried it. But make no mistake, the Big Ten will be very happy if the others get shut down too. Of it, Then it gives 2021 a chance. It doesn't mean Justin Fields is coming along for the ride. Right. But if, but if stranger things have happened... I don't think that would happen. I don't think you get the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields duel that we all want to see. But again, but I do feel like you have a certain hope that if the other ones got shut down, that maybe there could be some sort of six to eight week season. I doubt it. But let's keep 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 hope alive. I know we got a break. I just want to say, yeah. if we get to within that week of week one
3: for those other other conferences mm-hmm. and it's still on the board, people in the Big Ten and Pac-12 are going to be sweating. I know, sweating. Oh, I sweating.
2: know man. Well, that, by the way, do a poll on that. You're going to watch SEC football? No. Oh, you bet, you, they are. you, oh, you bet, bet they are. You bet they are. <laughs> Absolutely. Bet being the operative word. All right, when we come back, NFL two-minute drill. Matty, a three-time pro bowler apparently is knocking Antonio Brown off the headlines. We'll tell you that next. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: It's time for the NFL Two-Minute Drill.
1: Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit MarkLevyDDS.com today.
2: All right, let's audition a 31-year-old former multiple pro bowler. Dez Bryant, come on down. You're the next audition for the Baltimore Ravens. Throw up the X, baby. Boys, Throw it up. We, we know what's going on with your club. They are close. They want to get over the top, and they want some flash and dance, and they want it from Dez. So here's the deal. Yeah. Ian Rapport reported from the NFL Network that his workout has been in the works for a while. Now, he hasn't played for a few years. And the Ravens offered him a contract a couple yep. years ago, right? And yep. then he turned it down. Yep. So he said he wasn't mentally prepared. So, hey, why not hop on a moving train? Now we know they're great. Still got to get through KC. But the offer was for more than $30 million, according to a tweet from Des himself, which, by the way, he deleted. Um, he sat out uh, until November of 2018 when he signed the one-year deal with the Saints. Uh that was over before he got started because you know why? He tore his Achilles two days after sign with the team. So he's recuperated, he's yeah. repaired. He's ready to go, and he's motivated. I mean, you know all of the motivational I, tactic.
3: I, and it's a real thing. It could be a real thing for some, for certain guys, man, no doubt. But you know where I stand on the Antonio Brown thing. I'm completely out on that. The dude's in Hall of Fame talent. I get it. I just don't think it's worth spoiling the locker room. Now, Dez, he can give you some of that. I know it wasn't the smoothest transition out of Dallas. He wasn't too happy with some of the stuff that transpired, and he had his hiccups too. But I think when you look at the fit, I think it could be nice. They're expecting Hollywood Brown to be their number one receiver. I don't think Dez is in that, mental, in that mental space anymore. But I actually like this, man. I think you talk mm. about a dude that's hungry, coming back, you slot him in as your number two receiver, and we can throw up the X and eat crab cakes on Sundays. <laughs> I'm all in, man.
2: That's interesting. Alright, yeah, no, I think he's, you're right. He's a different It's a different dude than Antonio Brown for sure. I think you'd trade the Antonio Brown talent if you could get the Dez motivation. No the combined <laughs> forces there, but you don't get that. Sorry. No. No, um, not at all. But, Bad news, perhaps, for the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, defensive lineman Gerald McCoy feared to have a torn ACL. Yeah. Tried to walk up the field, practice field, by himself after hurting his knee. Then he required assistance. That's a significant loss for the Dallas defense if that's going to happen. Yep. So not good at yeah, all. And-
3: in AR, it absolutely is big. This guy's been you know, a great player in Tampa, yeah. played in the, in the FC South last year uh, for the Carolina Panthers, and they just brought in Everson Griffiths, your former guy, so maybe they yeah. feel better about that. But no, no doubt, for a team that's always had uh, you know, Super Bowl aspirations for the last couple years, this is their window to not have a key piece on their defense is a big-time blow. No question about it, man. Uh,
2: one last one, A.J. Green tweaked his hammy. Come on. And watch the rest on the sideline. Just a little Come tweak, on. dude. Just a little twinge, but you know those hammies. those handies, those me, hammies I know, are I tough. say have a lot of sarcasm. It's not yes. good, right? Because now, now he's got to sit and let it really relax. And you, he he what on, you, you know what, Ar?
3: You talk about the motivational yeah. factor. He's a guy that absolutely is playing on that. Because guess what? He's playing on the Anthony ROTHMAN special, the franchise tag.
2: <laughs> Darn right he is. <laughs> Contra- All right, buddy. Great maiden voyage for the crew here. Uh, we kept it. We kept it out of the perfect storm. We will come back tomorrow, do it again at high noon. We'll get the three-hour bag tomorrow, so we'll get a lot in there. We'll jam that in, and then we will toss it over for Jackets pregame. We want to see 60 strong minutes today, 60 Let's go. strong. Go Jackets. Let's We're go. back tomorrow at high noon. Rothman and Ice on the fan.